Hello and welcome to series two of the Training for Influence podcast. Our aim is to help you deliver the best training possible. We'll be exploring how to make the most of every single second in a training session and how to deliver training so that it has added influence. You'll be hearing from me, Tammy Banks, and I'll be chatting with Training for Influence graduates, facilitators and experts who can speak to each of the steps. Expert, tailored, engaging and values-led. We hope you find these podcasts really beneficial. In this episode, I have great fun chatting to Martin McGill. Martin is a recent graduate of the Training for Influence programme. We talk about everything from politics, delivering training to Parliament, to values, and to why every single training session should deliver added influence, particularly in a sector where frontline professionals are struggling and doing the very best they can do to continue supporting people to transform their lives. So, Martin, thank you for speaking to me today. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and why you were interested in the Training for Influence methodology? I'm Martin McGill. I'm, uh, well, I wear a couple of different hats. My primary profession, my primary focus is as a CBT, a cognitive behavioural psychotherapist. I work predominantly with adolescents and adults recovering from various types of trauma taking our you know, referrals from CAMS teams, community mental health teams, as well as direct referrals from NHS, police, fire services, even bus companies, etc. And that's through the charity crisis. And I tend to give them a day a week of my time when I can. Training for influence. Got to be open and honest here, Tammy. You came up to me via this, I think it was LinkedIn. In fact, it was definitely LinkedIn. <laughs> Something flashed up. Power of social media. Like, yeah, that was it. I just assumed being the cynic that I am, it was more snake oil. It was like that, this could change your life. <laughs> and I followed the link and I thought, oh, hello. And it's, you know, it's talked about training. The other hat that I neglected to mention a few moments ago was that I also conduct myself as a trainer and tutor. I've been doing it in both public and private organisations for about 25, maybe 26 years now. But the main focus of my work is with civil service and NHS. And you started mentioning partner agencies such as the ones that I've just described. Police, social services, frontline practitioners, criminal justice, families, addictions, homeless services, and of course, my big thing, mental health, which is, it means a very great deal to me personally. Went in, looked at your course list, and then there was this thing saying, we'll look at it. I think it was saying, would you like to join us? And I thought, yeah, let's roll the dice. And luckily you got back to me, for which I'm really grateful. So uh, thanks very much. (laughs) I'm glad that the snake oil worked. (laughs) So Martin, you said that you've been delivering training for 25 odd years, and that's literally a lifetime. What training do you deliver? Yeah, thanks for unwittingly revealing my age or my apparent age to the world. (laughs) It doesn't just apply to ladies, he said, in very old-fashioned parlance. I actually started off delivering training for an airline back in 1995. I wasn't expecting that. No, I used to work for Sherways. I was down at Gatwick and I was asked to stand in for a trainer who had unexpectedly gone sick for a day. Then a day became three days, five days. Then it became four weeks. And I thought, oh, I'm the trainer now. And from there, I realized that I was carrying out things like a lot of customer service and handling challenging situations, you know, to systems training. 
And then later on, as I matured slowly, I'm happy to put my hand up to it. It was almost glacial at times, but that developed into other stuff. I always had the interest, like you did, Tammy, in psychology. And so I started learning about psychometrics, and that led me into psychology in and of itself. And from there, I became very much more involved in training that was focused on emotional intelligence, behavioral sciences, and so all the interrelated strands of psychology that could influence people as well as processes and teams, etc., and not just the customers, you know, not trying to squeeze a bit more money out of people. It really began to speak to me and my own value system, my own personal values, some of which I think are reflected by your own training for influence message. And I, I know that sounds cliche, but I really mean it. The apex of it for me was a bit like yourself when you mentioned Parliament, one of the first times I spoke to you and I thought, oh my gosh, I've worked there too. Um, <laughs> just my wee golden moment, gosh, I'm going back five years ago now, I was being invited to do the training at 10 Downing Street for Prime Minister Cameron. I was asked for and I couldn't believe it. I thought it was a wind up. I actually thought it was a wind up. And did you deliver that, Martin? Yeah, I've got a thank you card. And, and everything what was the I got to, on? Oh my goodness, um, diffusing conflict <laughs> and mitigating hostility for politicians. Can you believe that? And for staff, but it was an amazing place. And if circumstances had been different, if we had maybe not been living in the North Ayrshire coast and the west of Scotland, but living down in London and it had been affordable and a civil service trainer's wage, I would have gone down perfectly because I have rarely in my life felt so at home anywhere I was immediately welcomed and I felt as though I'd worked there for years and I didn't want to leave irrespective of whom the political party might be you know the incumbent party at the time in fact is still in power my politics I don't mind sharing with you are radically removed from their values and their ideologies but there are good people amazing civil servants that work there and they're the kind of people that I love supporting and helping and learning from as well yeah and you know it's really interesting you say that because i would say the exact same so listeners will know that i'm on the parliamentary committee for standards and yeah. so i do go down and i listen to the complaints that are made about mps and help to assess and adjudicate and i would say exactly the same as you and i have this discussion with people all of the time removing from this my politics or on my opinions there are some amazing people in Parliament. There are yeah. some that actually don't act in a way that I would choose for them to act and make decisions that I don't agree with. And there's some that aren't fantastic, but that's the exact same in every single industry I've ever worked. And I've not yeah. seen any different mm. in Parliament. There are far mm. more good people there trying to do their very best than there are bad. Mm -hmm. I quite agree. I quite agree. So it's interesting because we have had a brief conversation about your opinion on politics previously. So it's interesting <laughs> to also hear you talking so positively about actually having that opportunity to go and deliver that training there as well. Also, I think what I picked up as you were talking was it's no wonder the snake oil worked because actually what you're talking about here kind of <clears throat> fit right into what are my values and principles, what Tay training and body. And then what the training for influence methodology is trying to share. Tammy, you're right. And I, I had said a few moments ago, a few minutes ago, pardon me, that it may seem a cliche or a conceit, but if it is, it's a healthy one. And I'm going, to, I'm going to progress with this because the values were really important to me. When I first watched your TED Talk, I saw a lot of myself and you. And I'm going to say this quickly because I find it difficult to say a lot of your background story is very similar to mine, you know, and when you transform like a butterfly, 
in your life and it, it takes a lot of time that metamorphosis doesn't it there's always that fear that imposter syndrome and yeah. to me you had this obvious at first I thought it was anger but there's a passion there's a fight there was a spirit in you on the stage and I thought oh I, I'd like to see her really pop because at one point I thought not because I had grandiose intentions of speaking in public I thought I'd love to get in that stage and tell my story as well I would just love to do it to say, God, I want to be seen and I want to be heard as well. And I suppose in terms of values, where I'm going with this, Tammy, is that when I'm training the people I do in civil service and in NHS or with crisis or what have you, I have my own phrase where I always put to people that good training and good learning is like a mirror. So good therapy, it should reflect back to you the better part of yourself. And that's driven by my belief that that better part of yourself is worth it whether you see it or not and that's the one thing that came across to me in your TED talk is that you do see people and it's always really great when people see us and you said look look at the homeless acknowledge them include them and I knew there was a, a study came out about was it about a year ago or so from shelter I can't remember sorry the dates and it was talking about it might just have been for shelter Scotland but they were talking about the one thing that homeless people really the dispossessed I suppose, Sammy, you know, the homeless, the indigent, the unwanted, and the unloved. What do we want? And you're like, I just want you to recognise that I'm a human being and that I'm there. And I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to, you know, assault you. I'm not going to rob you. I just want you to notice that I'm alive and that I'm a person too. And that comes across with you. Yeah, the training for influence values, I get it, the expert, the tailored, the engaging. This golden thread, I think that, for me personally, the golden thread I think there's a word missing and I'm not suggesting you add it, but <laughs> to me, it's authenticity. You're believable and you're real. You're authentic. And to me, that makes you credible. And you said it started this meeting people by people. That's why I bought you. That's why I did it. Oh, Martin, I, I think I need to talk to you regularly. Thank you. Thank you for saying all of that. And I guess a couple of things that that really mattered to me as you were speaking there was I really do believe it and I really do see people and I have there's no preconceived ideas or judgment for me based on where that person is within their life and so that means that they could be an MP they could be somebody who's living homeless they could be a young person they could be a facilitator a delegate I truly believe that actually we should be doing our best to value everybody at the place that they're at and that matters a lot to me. And I do often say that actually one of my favourite skills about myself, and I have, I do have a huge amount of imposter syndrome at times, just like lots of other people. But one of the things that I do recognise and I really value it about myself and a skill that I have is actually the ability to talk to nearly anybody. I don't mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable in yeah. different situations and scenarios because actually I don't judge them any differently. So I'm honest and open and transparent. And I would like to say authentic, but I have a bit of an issue with that word. I just feel like it's been so overused recently that actually the word authentic isn't very authentic, <laughs> if that makes sense. So, yeah. And I thank you for sharing with me how you connected with what I said in the TED Talk. And then I guess the issue that I feel that I'm on, because actually... Yeah. Training for influence was never about, I'm going to make this training methodology or tele training was never about, I'm going to have this training company. I've said before, kind of, it was a bit of an accidental happening based on the fact that I was working within the sector and just getting increasingly frustrated at actually the restrictions and the lack of money and the siloed working and trying mm -hmm. to bring in really big things that would make a difference. But then there wasn't the money, the time to actually bring them to true fruition. 
And yeah. so the methodology is my way of actually looking at something that is already happening, like the mandatory and some of the specialist training, and then adding a methodology to them that is a creative mm -hmm. solution to kind of get what I feel is needed. And that yeah. is massively about, well, it's about valuing everybody. And that's valuing what the organization's trying to do, valuing the delegate that's given up their time to be in the room, valuing the facilitators as we take them through the methodology process. But ultimately, for me, Martin, it comes down to people who are using the services, receiving a level of service, a values-led level of service, where they're not being judged, they are being advocated for, and they're being viewed as an equal. It yeah. all comes back to that for me. So it's interesting because when I talk about the methodology and I talk about the training company, sometimes I really have to work to persuade and show people and evidence the additional influence that, that butterfly wing effect that you mentioned earlier, having numerous touch points, and yes, at this point through training, that mm -hmm. really lead people to view people in that way that we're talking about. Sometimes I have to really persuade people of that and kind of evidence it because people are a little bit like, well, a training course is a training course. And yeah. I'm like, no, no, there's so much you could do in that. And it is lovely, really, really reaffirming for me that you've recognised that and that you've seen that without me highlighting that really explicitly to you. You do. The entire company does, Tammy. And one of the things you had mentioned in a previous discussion with me, we talk about bias and stuff like that and mitigating against bias. But for me, I really went away and thought about that because unconscious bias is something that I teach or train rather elsewhere with government for example and to me the talk on bias or rather the approach and bias that I detect I witness in training for influence is more about human rights yeah it's not it's about inclusivity does that make sense it's not just being like selectively disliking or selectively biased towards individuals or, or particular groups it's about true inclusivity and it's something I wish you'd blow your trumpet about a bit more I hope you don't mind me saying that yeah. Can I just reflect back, says the man who at the beginning of this said, I look and I hope that one day I will stand up and tell my story. So right back at you there, Martin. I don't know, I've forgotten what I'd seen a few moments ago. I'll send you the reports in today's New York Times. <laughs> I'll just remind you back of it. But I wanted to come back to that anyway and just say to you, it's been a long old journey. I haven't always been this honest and I haven't always felt this comfortable in my own skin and there's certainly like we were talking about the book before we hit record and I was telling you how painful it's been going through the edited copy because actually I'm I'm expecting and wanting that criticism and so there's still absolutely elements that influence my daily activity and things but I am a lot more comfortable with who I am now than I ever have been historically. Like I was CEO at Reshape, working with people who were convicted of sexual offences with the aim of helping them so that they don't then cause any further harm and any further victims. Yeah. And for the whole time that I was CEO there, up until I think I've been CEO for about four and a half years before I started being honest about my history. And that uh -huh. was the need of, I didn't want people to judge my decisions as a CEO based uh -huh. on my experiences as an individual I wanted them to see me as a CEO that grew that charity significantly so it had a much wider impact and all of that I wanted to be seen first before I would yeah. break and say and this is my background does that make mm -hmm. sense yeah it does makes perfect sense so I guess that's my way of saying to you um get up on that stage and, and talk about it but <laughs> do it when you're ready to do it and do it when you're comfortable doing it 
Well, I'm only 15 years or so off getting my bus pass now, so maybe wait until then. We'll see. <laughs> and you can get the bus to the venue. I can, yeah. <laughs> uh, right, tell me, let's go back and talk about the methodology a little bit, because I invited you here to share with our listeners, I guess, your opinion on the methodology, but also for somebody who's been training for years, actually, is there any point in having another methodology to apply to your training sessions? Yeah, because there's no one single methodology that stands the test of time. Nothing is infinitely perfect, you know, and infallible. I've worked as a trainer for a long time, but within that, training has changed, and I've had to stay relevant as a trainer. So within the same context, training has to develop and change itself. It has to renew, it has to refresh. So if you like young minds and fresh ideas, it has to develop its own sense of tolerance in concert with working as a trainer, I've been lucky enough to work in things like mental health clinical services in the NHS. I've worked for financial institutions. I've worked for government. I've done some stuff in retail. I have cleaned rooms in a hotel, Tammy. You know, every single one of these strands lends insight and adds value to me as a trainer. And that's what the learning in training and the learning by training for me should engender. It's got to change. But the difference between what comes before or what has generally come before and what you guys are offering in this particular sector is literally the complete package. We used the word authentic earlier, but authentic is credible. It's tied together by people who actually know what the hell they're talking about. Excuse the language, but <laughs> they do. Potentially we do. Yet we get it. And for me, that the expertness, if that's even a real word, is that an actual word? <laughs> the expertness. All right, let's have it. Let's add it to the dictionary. Let's, uh, I've got a mate at Oxford, as you know, she'll get it in. <laughs> that expert quality comes from the lived experience of the people. I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here. I'm sorry, Tammy, I'm getting carried away. But I, I, I hope you get the, the sort of thrust of what I'm meaning. That's okay. I like listening to you, Martin, so I didn't stop you because you're interested that's, to listen. To that, and- that's really kind. Thank you. <laughs> So you talked about there about how you found this, the methodology really valuable, even though you've been training for a while now, yeah. and you kind of reflected on actually as a trainer, it's about recognizing that things change, times change, there's more new learning and new experience out there. I guess as well, role modeling, we're expecting other people to be keeping up with their CPD. That's what pays facilitators wages. Actually, we need to be role modeling that ourselves as well with regards to our delivery style and things. Absolutely, yeah. Can you reflect for me on the four different steps and kind of what your thoughts were as we went through the Training for Influence program? What are your thoughts on the individual steps and the importance of them connecting together? Expert. I think I pretty much touched on expert, if that's okay with you, although I didn't intend to. The tailoring was something that I really had to sit back and think about, Tammy. I'd imagine that, I suppose it was out of habit more than anything, that the golden thread, the influence model would be something that would just instantly apply, you know, like a one-size-fits-all Calgon tablet for your washing machine, you know, just sort everything, it'll come out whiter than white, cleaner than clean, and your department will just be fabulous. But the more I listened, not just to you, but I would say more so to my fellow Zoomies, was that each of us came from a radically different background and worked in very, very different sectors. And therefore, the principles of tailoring applied in a very different way. And that spoke really quite powerfully to me, in fact, very powerfully to me. That's what tailoring is about. And that's what, more than anything, the expert part is about yeah. in your thread. 
Thank you, Matt. And you've given some great examples there of why the tailoring element is so important and exactly why the tailoring element is different across different customer groups, different organisations, different sectors, etc. And you've also spoke to something that the other Zoomies, the last cohort of Training for Influence trainees, has said as well. And that is actually the, the power of being in a group with people who want the same thing as you, and that's to yeah. deliver excellent values-led training, but have a completely different frame of reference, completely different experience. And they're, they're going through the methodology to deliver training to a different sector or organisation than you. Actually, that community is powerful within the programme as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It certainly is. But that's also, and I'm not intentionally meaning to skip ahead there, but although you've got the different steps, the different elements of the methodology, tailored, expert, engaging, etc., it's all values-led. They're really, for me, in, I suppose, some sort of weird way, they, they gel together as one single entity. Again, people buying people, that authenticity and that credibility makes it a hell of a package. How on earth do you get a more dynamic training package or training program if it's not only relevant, lived, but true and delivered by someone who has the experience as well as the training and how to come through it and share it with your clients so they can live their best possible lives by being their best possible selves? Again, I hope that makes some sense in what I've said. Yeah, it makes complete sense, Martin. You're saying exactly what I feel and exactly what I think and the reason why this is so very important to me. Because mm -hmm. it's about that influence on the front line. I think as a trainer, if you're going in and you're facilitating sessions, particularly to people who you know, the next day they're going to be out working with people who are struggling with complex needs, with vulnerabilities. Actually, by being able to share some of your struggles, some of the things that have worked really well for you, and some of your own thoughts and processes and things, you're helping them to be armed in the best way possible, but also yeah. feel capable and feel valued and not feel alone because we all, all want to be part of something. And we're all aiming, you know, people come into the roles in the sectors that we train in, they come into the roles to make a difference. And unfortunately, because of systems and austerity measures and political landscape and, you know, rising caseloads, higher expectations from a monitoring perspective and things like that, sometimes we can just get distracted from why we joined in the first place. And I think if we can bring that alive and the facilitator can inject that in the sessions that they're delivering. And I do think that when we go through the methodology, I'm regularly saying None of this is rocket science and none of this is particularly hard either. Once we explain it to you, you're kind of going to be nodding along going, that's why I do that. That's why that makes such a difference. Ah, right, brilliant. I can now change things in this way and then it will have this added influence. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. it's not this huge secret by any stretch of the imagination. I get that. And the one thing that has been, from my perspective, thankfully absent in all the training sessions that we've participated in together it's those words or are those words you have to or you you must to me that sense of trust that's something that you naturally engender but that's got to permeate via your training team out to their audiences that they're working with because that sense of personal warmth is often lacking in training and to me that begets safety and in our sectors we very much need especially given the political climates in recent decades, I suppose, where our sectors are often under siege and under-resourced, but people expect more and more of us to the point where we break and burn out, and we want to feel safe. I think also the methodology is a reaffirmation that for a lot of us, yeah, it might not be new, 
as you were saying, but it's a revision and it's a refresher and it's a reminder that actually you're doing a damn good job. So let's do it even better, but not just for your clients, also for you, because it works both ways. Yeah, and I, I think that that's why we come from that perspective and that's why you haven't heard those words of and you must do it like this, because actually I think we all find our way and I think it's about recognising that as trainers, whether we're freelance trainers or whether we train within a team, every single day we've got the absolute privilege and opportunity of actually influencing and supporting somebody to be able to do their job in a different way, in a better way, or with different techniques, or whatever it is. Actually, as facilitators, you also deserve and have the right to and should love what you're doing every day as well. Yeah. And so it yeah. kind of feeds down from the values perspective, actually. The methodology, I feel, enables facilitators really to love what they're doing and to do it mm-hmm. so well. And then for the delegates to really love their training sessions and really value them. And then for the service users to really value and appreciate the services that they're engaging with, because it's that connectivity, isn't it? It's that chain. Yeah, I agree. It becomes, it's, it's like a virtuous cycle feeding in on itself. Yeah. <laughs> and I do think it is an opportunity. Like every day, there's thousands and thousands of training sessions happening all over the country, right across all different sectors. And there's loads happening every day in criminal justice, social care and charities. If every single one of them is also talking about valuing your service users, valuing yourselves and and giving you the techniques to ensure that the delegates retain as much of that information as possible and then can apply it in their daily roles, then actually that's a hell of an influence. Mm -hmm. I would quite agree. Influence works best when we are unaware of it. Absolutely. That's my belief, yeah. It's funny because when I was reading the book back over the weekend, I read back a part that I put in there that says something like somebody said to me once and they really did after one of the training sessions they came up to me and they said I've been working in this sector about 25 years and I said okay and they said I've just never had a training session like this and I went okay kind of a bit like oh what's going to come next and they said to me it's like you've put subliminal messages all the way through it <laughs> and, and I just thought that was just so exactly well, at least you know they've been paying attention and that the brains have been activated, which is, to me as a trainer, that's manna from heaven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Isn't it? Exactly. Amazing yeah. feedback. Well done, you. <laughs> well, I, to be fair, I kind of stopped and I told them a little bit about the methodology because obviously as a delegate coming on, you would have very limited information about the methodology the facilitator is using. And I told them a little bit about the methodology and we kind of laughed a little bit together and I reflected back to them that actually for them to be able to spot that and pull that out and recognise it says a lot about them as a delegate as well. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you found the engaging element of the sessions. Because you're quite a naturally engaging person, Martin. Engaging, yeah. Thank you for the very kind compliment. It's something I've had to work very hard at since my youth. You may be surprised to know that I used to be utterly terrified of public speaking. This is for Mm -hmm. real. I know I come across as not always urbane, but I do like to talk. Engaging for me, and I'm going to say this as a trainer, as a teacher, It's got to be 50-50 over a period of time. I know the research in recent years with Google and stuff supports that as well. I've been really invested in stuff that I'm very interested in it. But that's hard work. It's really easy as a trainer. And I think it would be really easy for you guys as a company to just go in and a bit like we discussed five or ten minutes ago, just say, you must do or you need to do and listen up. This is how it is. We've got the training methodology. We've done all the research. 
we've listened into all the really crappy training that's gone on across the years and thought, you know what, we can do better. Well, yeah, we actually can do better, but it's more involving training. Because as you've cited there in the example, you know, the learner who fed back to you at the end of your session that it kept them awake. Uh, I don't mean from sleeping. I mean, it kept them engaged. It kept them alive, but it kept them interested. How often do we go to training, Tammy, when people are not interested? Yeah. And for me, you held engagement and interest. And I was really taken aback by it during the Zoomy sessions by your candor, but it worked. And to me, that's how you you connect, you collaborate, and you, you really pull in that interest from people. That, to me, is engagement. So sharing your story, encouraging theirs, but knitting it within the guidelines and the frameworks, obviously the policies that they need to work within. But, yeah. of course, we're not always teaching our grannies to suck eggs. So most of our colleagues, being professional practitioners in whichever type of service, will already be aware of the local policies and what they have to do. We add value to that by doing what you guys do. I hope that made sense. Yeah, no, it completely did. And it feeds very much into kind of when we talk about engaging, we talk about that emotional learning and give some examples of different courses, like on the Equality and Diversity course. I think I used that example when we did Zoomy session. On the Equality and Diversity course, we do an activity at the beginning where people are making pyramids out of paper cups and they're putting pairs. And when they're doing that activity, they're all given different slips of paper with a restriction on, but they don't know what the other group's restriction is. Mm-hmm. And some of the groups have no restriction whatsoever. And it's a competition. They have 30 seconds to get it done. And there's a prize at the end of it. And you see over that 30 seconds, you see play out all manner of emotions of competitiveness and smugness of people sat back who did it in three seconds because they have no restrictions. And then frustration from people that have really clear restrictions like you need to close your eyes or you need to put your arms behind your back or or whatever the restrictions are. And you see that play out. And I think it connects to what you were saying there about that engagement is about that emotional learning. If we can, stories do it really well. If we can bring people's feelings to the forefront and connect with the subject that we're talking about, even if it's relatively arbitrary, sometimes that's how people feel. But if we can raise those emotions, Mm -hmm. they connect to the learning and then it allows yeah. you to use all those other learning styles and all of those other techniques of interactivity and such like because we've already got them bought into the course they're not sitting there anymore mm-hmm. thinking oh another mandatory training course on yeah yeah well i think come to the last element which is the values and as the golden thread you've been talking to that all the way through this discussion and okay. it was you that on the the final live training that we had with the cohort it was you that had said to me that you've recognized that at every single stage of the program mm-hmm. uh-huh. i think it's been very apparent it's been very subtly demonstrated by you as well as by you know holly and rebecca etc so big high five to them both um, <laughs> we do have a great team <laughs> but they have to me this is your greatest value certainly from my perspective as a facilitator So I'm going to be selfish and not talk about end users and clients and stuff, but there's a casual familiarity, Tammy, between you and your team, and it's infectious. It would be impossible to come in, even in a training session, and just sit about like a a detached, like an android or a tailor's dummy, I suppose, and just think, oh, I'm a trainer, I'll do this, and move top to bottom, left to right, the course will be done. I'll talk a bit about my experience. 
there's so much more to that. There's the investment in people, there's the interest in their backstory. You know, that connection being made is, to me, your greatest value, your greatest asset. And it stood out for me more than anything in all of the four modules. It really did. Oh, well, I'm glad because as much as I love all of the elements, the values is what absolutely brings it alive for me. That's the part that I, I guess, set my stall by, if that makes sense. I've measured myself against. And I do think that it is a case of that. Actually, it's about role modeling the fact that any one of us could be. Do you know, we're talking about I'm leading the training for influence, train the trainer course as the facilitator. And then we're talking about you guys as the trainees on that course, all the facilitators of courses using the methodology afterwards. We're talking about delegates, we're talking about service users. Actually, when we strip it all back, they're all people. And at any point, we could have any one of those labels. We could be the facilitator or the delegate or the service user. I totally get that. And I wasn't really eloquent at all. But I suppose what I'm saying is your approach and your mindset, even your heart set, if that's another word, Tammy, that would naturally fit in. It's portable and it would slot in very comfortably and smoothly with any other client organization's value set, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It, it doesn't detract. It can only enhance. It doesn't replace. It can only support. So that's what comes across to me. Thank you. I might get you just to be um, the Training for Influence spokesperson. That'd be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Martin, what did you enjoy most about being part of this training cohort? Um, Being welcomed. Honestly, I had this thing in my head. It's imposter syndrome again, thinking I would be in with people who were all amazing. You know, I'd read your title. It's like Tammy Banks, CEO, all this other stuff. And it was the only hashtag missing was Wonder Woman. And I think it's stuck with (laughs) On one of your, I think I stuck it in one of your posts recently, didn't I? said Wonder Woman. It wasn't a dig. It was sincere admiration, I promise you. But I thought, holy crap, I'm going to get found out. I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. They're amazing social workers and teachers and child practitioners, and they deal with homelessness and stuff. And even during lockdown, <laughs> during the periods when I had COVID myself back in March, my husband, who's a social worker who deals specifically with homelessness and addictions. That's probably what brought us together in life decades ago, but he's had to work from home. And I've had this sort of weird mindset that social workers in particular somehow know better. And I've watched his wow factor, his way of working. I've listened into him a few times without breaching any boundaries because we stay out of each other's way like you have to. But I've thought, hang on, he's not so different in how he operates than I am. In fact, I'm probably in a clinical setting Because legally, I have to be much more rigid, a bit more stiff, but warm in my own way with patience. And so as the sessions progressed, I felt accepted. I felt welcomed. I became much less afraid of other people. And I suppose felt a bit quite silly that I wouldn't be found out because there was nothing to be found out about. But you always have those fears. Everything in life is trauma-informed, isn't it? Certainly my profession. You must have been cheering when you saw that come up as one of the key parts of the... I did. Tammy, there's a a really good Scottish word. It's got Spanish origins. It's called greet. I don't know if you've heard of it. And it's not as in to say hi to someone. It's, have you been greeting all day? Or did it make you greet? It actually means to cry or to fight. It comes from gritar in Spanish. And there's been times I could have grit profusely. Some of the things have been said. I heard the stories of my potential colleagues and they shared. And it was nice to, I don't want to make a sound like misery loves company. It's not that at all. 
it was nice to know there are others in the world who've followed a similar path and made it through. And by making it through, they've made a difference. Not everyone in the room was like that. I get that. But it felt like tacit permission to be myself. Don't you think that, especially when we're standing in front of highfalutin politicians, etc., that we often have to put on a person suit, a version of ourselves, to suit the audience? And it's not always entirely credible. It's not always entirely real. It's the version of us that they want to see as an audience when there's so much more we could give. And I think that's a shame. But you guys permeate that. You, you punch through it. And I think that's to be welcomed. Well, we purposely invite you to show up as you because then it's about supporting you to use the methodology as you. We can't talk about values and the operational expert part of it if we don't also encourage and support you to show up as the excellent facilitator you are. Mm -hmm. Do you know, it's been a real pleasure to kind of talk to you and have you reflect back to me some of the things that we're really aiming to achieve. There's been numerous moments within this podcast where I've just gone, that's working a little bit, you know? Um, Tammy, the whole thing made me think. I've had therapist burnout. I've gone back to what I used to do in CBT with crisis because we had a national crisis with COVID and we're overwhelmed with referrals. And there's been times in the past I thought, I'm sick of listening to other people and their problems. What it was, it was compassion fatigue, but the process and what you do is that mirror that I described earlier, it does hold itself up. It's like, look, this is who you are. This is who your values or what your values are. And this is the effect. This is the impact on other people that you have. So it's very encouraging. It imbibes strength in one, if I could say that. It makes you feel validated. That's what I'm trying to say. It makes you feel validated, Tammy. So I guess the golden question then, bearing in mind kind of all of your experience and the variety of different places that you deliver training, would you recommend to a friend the trainer trainer course? I already have. In fact, I think oh, just yesterday I tried to add about six or seven people to the Training for Influence group on uh, yeah. Facebook. <laughs> I don't know if they've accepted. And I know I've already referred at least one person to you, my friend and colleague Paul. Fantastic. Uh, and I know he's now following you on LinkedIn. But that is, for me, that is the biggest accolade because I think if you've been through the programme, you know, with all of the experience that you've got, the different areas that you've delivered training in, and you've still taken stuff from it, you've really, I guess, worked within and appreciated the methodology, and then you get to the end and you're sat here and you're saying, actually, I've recommended it to a friend. To yeah. me, that is that final, it did what it needed to do for Martin. It's really heartwarming because it doesn't matter what happens to me at this point. My big takeaway from the Zoomy session was that you're there to give other people a chance. They've got to have, irrespective of the environment, that opportunity. You had said those words. I'm quite sure I remember you saying those words the first time I watched you on your TEDx talk. I thought, yeah, you've got to slot into their environment and make it real and accessible to them. Your methodology works because, as you've said, I've now recommended it to other people. Yeah. And going back to what you said just prior to that about working with people who deliver therapy and such like on the front line and watching them burn out and connecting it back to the fact that then hopefully the facilitators will be able to support and avoid that happening. That whole full circle. That's why I'm in this job. It's not to 
own a methodology it's to spread the news that actually together we can really make a huge difference and we can do it by using a creative solution that doesn't cost any more time or any more money as much as I'd like actually lots of investment in the charity social care and criminal justice sector I'm long enough in the tooth to be realistic about that now so <laughs> this is it this is a different solution <laughs> Yeah, it's much the same in the NHS as well, isn't it? It's that whole, what have you got to spend? Well, we'll give you an old washing machine, some rubber bands and a, a bubble gum. Make a course out of it. But we somehow do it, yeah. don't we? We somehow yeah. manage to do it. Yeah, well, I think if we can take that elastic band and that scrappy bit of paper and that not enough money and deliver the training about how to use it effectively with the training for influence methodology <laughs> at the very least the frontline professionals will go out feeling valued and ready to work another day yeah thanks so much for listening we hope you found this podcast both useful and enjoyable if you'd like to access any of the free resources mentioned assess your training against the methodology or find out more about the train the trainer program please head to our website training forinfluence.co.uk and to finish i'd just like to say i truly believe that facilitating training is both an opportunity and a privilege so thank you for recognizing that effective values-led training can make a real difference to delegates to organizations and ultimately to people accessing frontline services